What's this? I found him in the emptiness. You lead the beast straight back to us. Hello, we are Bluecast. I'm Rob. I'm Ewan. And I'm James. The question is, why are we called Bloobcast? Yes! Yo! So today, we're going to be talking about Nine, the animated movie produced by Tim Burton, uh, directed and animated by Shane Acker. Uh, probably, in my opinion, one of the best movies ever made. And so that's pretty high. Uh, high praise from James right there. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with House of Nine, oh, okay. Nine Musical, <laughs> Nine. Uh, there's probably other Nines. The, the movie's like Nine for some reason. But yeah, Nine. Uh, weird animated movie with little sock puppet people. Yeah, so basically it's... To give it a short summary, it is a dark, twisted, post-apocalyptic science fiction slash fantasy horror movie, uh, is the best way to describe it. It was marketed towards children, Um, it was a children's animated film for some reason, Um, but really when you watch the film, it's nothing like that. In fact, I I think it's actually been remarketed as more as an adult animated movie. I think it was always intended to be more of an adult animated film. So based on kind of like comments from the director, he's saying kind of stuff like, oh, there's not really much more animated films that are kind of for more mature, yeah. kind of like teenage audiences. So that's what he's going for. And I think that's probably why this film's not really caught on as well, because the marketing was very confused. Like um, it looks a bit too kind of mature for kids because it's a 12A yeah. slash PG-13. That's the thing. But at the same time, at, in the West, at least, there's this really snobbish attitude towards animation. So adults just mm-hmm. think if something is animated, exactly, that yeah. it's it's mostly for kids. But, which but that's the thing. I'll probably get into more later, but I think it's ridiculous. But that's the thing. I get the impression. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm take it actually, Robbie probably listened to the uh, commentaries and the behind the scenes and stuff like that with um, the film and stuff like that. What they actually say is, you know, they did actually go out of their way to make a darker, more, like, you know, they made the film that they wanted to make. Whereas I get the impression that, you know, the the people that were marketing the film were trying to aim it towards children because that was just the market for, you know, animated films at that time. You know, they were up against like Pixar and other DreamWorks animated movies at this time. This was pre-adult animation sort of days when it was like, you know, not the normal thing. So I think what's happened here is these guys went out of their way to make an adult animated movie, but yeah, no, the people that were trying to pitch it, you know, and sell it, really kind of like, you know, sold it as this uh, children's animated movie. Along, and they put, you know, it was shown in probably trailers for other children's animated movies. Do you know what I mean? So it's just kind of bizarre to me. The one thing I remember about the trailer is that it had um, "Welcome Home" by Cody and Cambry in it. I was about to mention uh, the "Welcome Home" song. It's great. Uh, you have the whole bit with Elijah Wood shouting and then you get this amazing music Uh, and that's that's what I remember of the the trailer. I've seen Coed and Cambria live twice, they're really good live, a bit of a tangent but yeah. That's right. I actually discovered this in high school. There was a weird period during high school where I studied media studies. And for some reason we had to like research a whole bunch of films like film uh, covers and film trailers and stuff like that. Um, And I hadn't actually watched uh, Nine at this point, but uh, I went actually ahead and studied Nine's film cover and also the trailer that we've just discussed as well. Um, and for some reason, it just kind of lured me in. I think, oh, you know, this is, what is this weird film? You know, it looked a bit different from all, all the other animated films. And I, I always kind of gravitate towards darker thing, like dark, darker things, like darker art and stuff. I've always loved Judge Dredd. I've always liked, you know, um, gothic stuff like Warhammer 40k. So when I saw this kind of animated film with, you know, all these rag, rag dolls running around in this post-apocalyptic world, and it, it also sort of kind of reminded me of Oddbud a little bit. 
um, I just decided to go out my way and watch it. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like when I watched it, it was just it blew my mind a little bit because it was it was weird. It was creative. I I honestly was I when I first watched it, I literally went on a whole kind of spree of just finding out as much as I can about this film, about the law, about the original short film and how it was made. Uh, the people behind it and what they got up to and stuff like that and it was for me because um, as you guys know I'm an animator and I make a lot of stuff by myself um, you know made my own like animated stuff like my own series short films and stuff like that so when I found out that this guy Shane Acker made Nine um, the original short film which you can watch on YouTube um, all by himself it really inspired me back in the day when I was in high school because um, I really thought, you know, oh, every animation, every animated production needs a team and stuff like that. When I found out that one guy, you know, just did this all by himself, it really motivated me. And it's kind of, he's one of the, this animator in particular has animated, uh, animated me? Uh, inspired me to animate, you know, a lot more now. Um, there are a lot of things I've made that I wouldn't have made if it wasn't for his influence that, you know, through Nine. So that's how I kind of discovered it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I'll go yeah. next. Please um, do, yeah. Because I, I actually saw this movie when it came out in the cinema, which um, I'm sure James might be a bit envious of. Oh, yeah, I am. But, <laughs> yeah, so like with Scott Pilgrim a couple of episodes back, my first exposure to Nine was through the pages of Empire magazine. Like, the... There are a few articles talking about it, and I remember I was drawn to it because it seems so different to practically every other animated film that's coming out. So which is more kind of like kiddie fair, like Cloudy the Chance of Meals and stuff like and films like that. Mm. And this seems more quote unquote mature, and this like something that was made for children. And when it got rated a 12A rating rather than like a PG or a U, even that reaffirmed to me that this was something a bit more grown up. And yeah. I, this was. When I was like kind of getting deeper into my like anime's obsession that I had in my like late teens, so where I was really into stuff like Death Notes for some reason. <laughs> Just watch me, Al. I'll solve equations with my right hand and write names with my left. I'll take a potato chip and eat it. I mean, but yes, of course, I'm kind of a more darker animation. I was. Yeah, but yeah, dark animation, I was always being kind of more drawn to. So I remember going to see it in the cinema shortly after it came out. I remember the trailers made a big deal about it. At least in the UK, it came out the 9th of November 2009. So the trailers were all like 9-9-2009. Yeah. Yeah, I went to see it in the cinema. And I remember coming out and thinking, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. That was, that was pretty neat. Mm. And then I saw it again a few months later because um, basically my peers broke and we had to get a new ps3 and in our podcast tradition of things that existed then and don't exist now we bought our ps3 from blockbuster hey take home the gripping vertical limit the inspiring castaway or the award-winning traffic all available on video or dvd and because we buy more copies than anyone else, the Blockbuster promise means you can rent these movies now or get them free next time. Blockbuster, bringing entertainment home. Because of this, we got a month of free rentals on things like Blu-rays and PS3 slash Xbox games. Mm. And um, I think me and my family, the, um, we all took it in turns to, every week to rent something. And one of the Blu-rays I chose to rent was nine. I watched it then and thought, yeah, that was pretty neat. But I've not watched it again until we did this episode because it's a film I've sometimes thought about and remembered enjoying, but it's not been something I've sought out to watch again until James started telling me about it and um, decided to do this episode. And I watched it again, and again I thought that was pretty neat. I first discovered Nine uh, in the way I discovered a lot of things uh, through the internet. Um, back in 2000 and t 2009, 2010, uh, around that time, mm. I first discovered it through the Gmod Idiot Box series, which I feel like <laughs> I, yeah. I mentioned it before on the Resident Evil episode. Um, yeah, it was in the episode, it was in the ninth episode, that was it. 
and uh, they referenced all a million, all the, as I mentioned before, all the millions of films that are all called Nine, and one of them was was Nine. Uh, and I remember distinctly Elijah Wood screaming. No! Uh, <laughs> so I've always, I always laugh whenever that comes up in the that, films. That's um, <laughs> in, that. believe it or not, that's it's in G- the trailer as well. Yeah, G Mod Idiot Box Nine in particular, and it's the whole idea of the Combine Soldier going up to the um, Dasbo shit, going nine, nine, nine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're seeing every, every movie ever that has nine related to it. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, so that was how I first discovered Nine. I never actually saw the film, um, but I was aware of it. I was aware of the, the weird green number and the, the fact that there was like a weird little sock puppet thing on the front cover, but I never really thought about it. I just saw that video and then, you know, there, but there were all these other films it referenced as well that I hadn't seen at the time. So I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything with that. And then this year, last year, this year, last year, was it last year for Halloween? It's all blended together, damn Um, pandemics. It all blended blended (laughs) together, but I'm trying to remember when James and I hung out. Oh, Uh, yeah, no, is that when, is that the first viewing of the movie you had? Yeah, that was was the first one, yeah. Yeah, no, that Um, was, um, that was last year. Was that Halloween? Halloween last year, yeah. I would check out, yeah, because that was just before we had the um, the November... Uh, was it November lockdown or December lockdown? Oh, I can't yeah. remember. The November more. lockdown, yeah. The November lockdown, yeah. yeah. So just before that, so James and I managed to hang out for Halloween and we watched a bunch... We, we watched Nightmare Before Christmas and we watched... Um, Invasion of Body Snatchers. We watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We watched... Uh, did we watch... Um, uh, Hellboy. Oh, uh, we also watched Hellboy, and uh, I think we also watched Freaks as well. Yes, we watched Freaks, and we watched uh, Porco Rosso. Yes, we. Uh, oh, yeah, we watched Hellboy. We watched a lot of good films that night. Jeez. We watched um, a lot of movies. We started at like two in the afternoon, and we just kept watching films. So yeah, you can cover a lot of movies that way. Yeah. Uh, if people can manage a nine-hour Lord of the Rings marathon, they can they can handle what we watch. Um, <laughs> Or a anyway. twelve-hour Lord of the Rings marathon if you watch the extended version. Oh no! Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so that was my first experience watching Nine. Uh, I had the same reaction as Rob. I thought that was pretty neat. It's weird that it's kind of. I guess Tim Burton was like the selling point, right? Because they go, "Oh, Tim Burton's you know produced Nine, but it's not really a Tim Burton film. It doesn't. It doesn't match mm, his his no. style at all." Um, it's not really, you know, it doesn't have a Danny Elfman score or anything like that. It doesn't have any of the usual suspects like Helena Bonham Carter or, um, or Johnny Depp. Uh, there's nothing like it that. It has a really good cast, though. It, it does. Like, yeah. Really good voice cast. It I mean, does, I'm, yeah. I normally prefer it to when, like, we get actual professional trained, like, voice actors who specialise in voice acting, rather than, like, a lot of animated films, they get, like, the celebrity of the, the day to voice the characters like you get like Katy Perry's a smurf and crap like that oh Gargamel I guess you've outsmarted us again when I'm doing the voice for Smurfette it's really interesting because uh I get to kind of be a part of creating her character but yeah yeah I think the cast of nine are all really good and I think what's amazing is uh, Martin Landau and I think yeah. it's amazing because I know him from the Jerry Anderson show Space 1999, which I used to watch on BBC Two oh. um, I, I when was, I was really I was about, little. So I was, I was about to say, yeah, Rob, I, I knew that you knew Martin Landau from. I couldn't remember the name of the show, but I knew it was some old TV show. So yeah, Space 1999 was it? Um, yeah, yeah, by I'm... Jerry Anderson did Tom the which is an episode on a couple of episodes back.
Right, yes, of course. I know Martin Landau from Edward, uh, which is the Tim Burton film about the the director Edward. He is amazing in that as Bella Lugosi, the you know the original film Dracula, aside from Nosferatu, but whatever the MGM era of Dracula. You know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Lugosi? The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit! But I also know him from a film called Tucker, The Man in His Dream, which nobody has ever seen, nor will they ever see it, but it is good. Uh, but Martin Landau steals that film Oh yeah, as well. That's how I he's know in him. the X-Files movie as well, I just remembered that. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was he was in a bunch of stuff like in the 90s and, and early 2000s and I guess late 2000s if we think 2009, this this film. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, Christopher Plummer's in this as well and um, uh, Jennifer Connelly yeah. and, um, and of course Elijah Wood, as I've mentioned. Do you wear wigs? Uh, no, I do not. Have you worn wigs? No, I have not. Will you wear wigs? Maybe. When will you wear wigs? <laughs> but also John, John C. Riley, which is hilarious to me, because, you know, it's like, oh, look, it's, it's Step Brothers is here. Do we want to quickly talk about the original short film? Because yes, uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's because yeah. that is kind of the um, where the original idea came from. I think it came out a couple of years before the the actual full length film and what I really like about it is there's no dialogue at all. It's um, so it's pure visual storytelling, which is, reminds me of stuff like Samurai Jack and the original Eon Flux shorts, because oh, they yeah. tell the stories that they want to tell without the use of dialogue. And I like that it's a small scale story with, um, it's basically got this little stitch work character confronting up like, this big bronze skeletal robots. And I think that works really well as like a short 10 minute animated thing. Yeah, well, yeah. okay, so I should explain very quickly. So basically Nine is set in the post-apocalypse. All the humans are now dead. They've all died, and, the, and they were all wiped out by robots. Yeah. And the only things left are weird cyborg robot things that are kind of part bone, part metal, uh, like the thing you mentioned, Rob, with the in, in the original shorts. It's like a weird, like, rat monster with, with, with you know, um, metal like a metal skeleton um and but the other thing is the are these little sack stitched up sack people um i don't know how you explain them little glove puppets mm. uh with little lenses for eyes and uh their insides are like buttoned up or zipped up and they run around and they're very humanoid and they're kind of normal in this kind of weird world uh but they're, they're tiny as well they're, they're kind of um I don't know about maybe you know maybe well uh, Smurf sized yeah I guess um, and uh, they're running around this post-apocalyptic world and ev evading the, these weird cyborg monsters and that's that's the short story and that's kind of or the short film and that's kind of what the entire film is about really or, or that's the the setting anyway that's yeah, so, yeah yeah well that's that is the premise really. Um... But it is it's a small self-contained story and it's not there's no dialogue as these uh, guys mentioned as well it's all kind of told through the, the through their expressions like characters expressions um the music the sound effects and you know the visuals surrounding them and stuff like that a lot of the landscape tells the story for you you can just tell it is a post-apocalyptic landscape it, it does it's not written anywhere or it's not said anywhere you can just tell immediately because you know uh, when you see like you know it's nine and five are the two characters you see in the short film but they're fiddling with like you know gadgets and stuff like that were previously used by humans and stuff like that. and there's a lot of wreckage everywhere and discarded um remnants of a world that's like you know clearly forgotten um, yeah all of, mm. by the way all of the um all of the little puppet people that all of their names are numbers oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah there are nine of them in all yeah. and, and so yeah. nine is the main character basically what i liked about a short film is that it told its story through visuals alone it didn't rely on dialogue or you know anything writing i just find that really impressive it's the, one of the things that the film itself lacked 
my favourite thing about the film is the world it's set in. It, um, it kind of reminds me of Oddworld mixed with mm-hmm. Fallout and that we've got this alternative kind of like 1930s, 40s-esque world just being wiped out because um, I'm going to assume it's a kind of like a fascist government kind of experimenting yeah. with machinery that just intended to quote unquote keep peace and then like all kind of um, post-apocalyptic science fiction involving machinery uh, the machines get a mind of their own and Wait, sorry, kill just, the humans. Just, just to jump in, we're talking about the feature length now. Um, well, in, I was no, very... in, in the short film as well, it's kind of implied. I guess so, yeah. Carry short on. film, but yeah, but yeah. And a lot of how all the devices the characters are kind of like cobbled together from like the various bits and bobs that are are lying around. So like, kind of like they're made from like spoons and light bulbs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Well, one thing actually I should mention is that the original short film was intended to be a stop motion film, um, and it kind of shows in a way. You can tell that he was trying very hard to make it seem like this sort of handcrafted little thing. You could tell in his like original idea he was going to use these rag dolls moving around and all these sort of like you know handcrafted things be moving by themselves and stuff. Uh, but ultimately, when he came, because it was a student film for Shane Acker. Uh, when it came for him to actually do the sh- uh, short film, he decided to use CGI because it was easier and uh, more time effective. That reminds me of um, a story of that Nick Park told about um, a grand day out. Oh yeah, I've heard this. Apparently the, the original version was going to be way more elaborate where I think there was going to be a McDonald's on the moon yeah. and Wallace gets captured and Gromit goes on like a Star Wars-esque rescue to save him. And I think he was... I think he said, if I'd actually stuck to that, I'd still be making the film right yeah. now. So he simplified it. No crackers, Gromit. We've forgotten the crackers. Exactly, yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a, it's a very similar sort of story as well. But yeah, no, you can just sort of tell from when, you know, with the animation in this sort of short film, it would just as easily translate to a stop motion film. I can actually imagine these sort of like characters being manufactured in real life as like, you know, real life um, objects and stuff like that. And we, you know, obviously the, the rag dolls themselves are made out of real life materials. So I actually think they actually set out to make this stop motion film in mind and it shows very, you know, uh, evidently in that film. So it's interesting to see how it, you know, translated into a CGI film. And it, you know, it became a big source for the premise of the the big feature length, which we'll talk about in a bit. The short film looks like a PlayStation Two game. Uh, it looks like a good thing. PlayStation Two <laughs> cutscene specifically. Yeah, it looks, it looks like a. The graphically, it looks like a PlayStation Two. Um, yeah, cutscene. Uh, it looks like American McGee's Alice or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, personally, cool. like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that. It's, oh no, 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 or, no, 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 beyond, no beyond, good, beyond good and evil, or something, or yeah. um, or yeah, Odd World. You know. That, that, yeah, exactly. That I've always been a sucker for those kind of old PlayStation Two, PlayStation cutscenes where they're all kind. Kind of, you know, shadowy. There's something. They're always quite dark. Those cutscenes, I think. You know, the, the lighting in particular, the mm. contrast is really low. Um, mm. But yeah, and also like you know, the the, the movements I not mean, quite there. But yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's probably why I like the mainframe show so much. Like reboots, Beast Wars, and stuff because mm. they do have that, that kind of quality to them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you know, but also you know. You have to remember, this was made like, God, uh, probably like early 2000s. I would say it's like mid 2000s, this was like 2005, I think the short came out. And it was. Yeah, 2005. So it was yeah. just before the like PS3 and Xbox came out. And it was made Not by. Not the original Xbox, Xbox 360. Yeah, and it was made by one guy with like no budget. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's like. like yeah. If you saw the animations I made by myself, use it in a uni. Oh, yeah. They no. are dreadful like <laughs> i like your animations <laughs> Rob, rob's a very good animator yeah, yeah. badly but yeah, no, i like your stuff <laughs> but um but yeah no but i also do you know going back to the whole ps2 thing i do like some there's something charming about those old kind of like shadowy kind of cut scenes that are not quite perfect but there's something kind of disturbing about it there's a lot of detail yeah. for, for for the detail they can get right, and it's merged with a world that's where the detail's not 100% right. You can see it in the Oddworld cutscenes. There's something kind of disturbing about it, almost Uncanny Valley, I'd say. 
and I get that there's a lot nine yeah there's, there's a reason why a lot of the best like horror video games are all from like the PlayStation One and PlayStation Two mm. era, and I, I think a lot of it's based on the visuals. Like I think even today we've not, like you know, like it's taken a while. But like I, it was when uh, my friend Joe and I played through the Silent Hill games recently, and we played the PlayStation Three Silent Hill games, and they looked atrocious. Yeah. In comparison to the PlayStation like- Two games. As soon as you got to the PS3, Resident Evil stopped being scary. Although now they're starting yeah, to get scary yeah. again. Well, that's the thing is that because graphics have started getting so photorealistic, it's it's kind of gone back round the other way. Whereas before, things kind of looked blocky and weird and didn't quite look real, mm. kind of uncanny. Now stuff is the other way, where it looks so good. But it's also kind of weird because it looks so good. It's kind of uncanny in that way. And yeah. you end up with games like Resident Evil 7 and PT and Soma. You know, it's it's great. It's, 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 I, it's genuinely really cool. I'm glad you bring that up, actually, because I actually kind of do get the same vibe from Oddworld as well. Like, I mean, I love the new Oddworld games, but um, if you compare like Oddworld Apes Odyssey with New and Tasty, New and Tasty does not have that freakish, weird kind of motion that you see in the original cutscenes. It's... A little bit more vibrant and colourful and I don't know, for some reason it doesn't creep me out as it used to, like the PlayStation 1 cutscenes. I don't know if that's just me, but you know. Yeah, the PlayStation 1 cutscenes are genuinely quite frightening. Like yeah. all of especially when he's running around in as a silhouette, that's always quite scary to me, because it's all very shadowy and dark. Absolutely, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, anyway. This is Rapture Vibes. They say it's the biggest meat processing plant on Oddworld. I used to work here. Well, I was really a slave. Like all the others. Yeah, so uh, that is the short film in its essence, really. Uh, do you want to talk about anything else about that? I mean, it's... Yeah. I, I, I do uh, wonder sometimes if, if Nine would have been better suited as a video game. Um, oh yeah. I, I I wonder if its legacy would have been bigger because I feel like we we look back on games like Beyond Good and Evil and stuff like that, and they're they're now modern gaming classics or, or like Psychonaut. I do have a kind of a, because I think the story of the of the film Nine is possibly the weakest aspect. I don't think yeah. the story is like bad. As it's as it's it's not. Um, I think it's pretty good. It just feels like it's kind of like missing something. Yeah, no, and I agree. Uh, but there are things I really like about it. Like um, I'm not sure what it is. I think it might if it had like some like kind of like the dark twisted humour that Oddworld had or some mm. something like that. But and, also, but and I think a lot of the stories rolled around like the characters running away from like big monsters. I think maybe if it was a video game, it'd be more suited to that. Do you know what, can we just, well, should we jump into the feature then? Because I, I want to go on a big old tangent about this, if that's all right. Um, I actually agree yeah, with actually yeah. everything you're saying, Rob, to be honest, because I think you're, you're spot on. There is something missing with the feature-length film story. I mean, because, you know, the original short film, Nine, is a short film, there's no dialogue, it does what it sets out to do. The trouble is, I think, with the feature-length, is that it does base itself very specifically on that short film, which in itself was made to be quite a visual sort of thing so suddenly they try to shove uh, quite a complex story into something that was quite simplistic while also trying to introduce nine new characters a whole fictional world in about an hour and ten minutes that in itself is just you're not going to get a good rich story from that yeah like yeah it's too ambitious for its own good exactly yeah no and that's why i kind of think i was just say like you know going back to ewan's point saying like oh would this be better as a video game would this be better as something else and you know i 100 percent agree i think you know this it's good i like the film but also even watching it for like the fifth odd time now i'm just thinking to myself like this would have been better or maybe like it, it, it would have been better as a Netflix series or like a TV show or maybe a video game where you can flesh out the story and stuff like that. Um, because at the end of the day, this film has a very superficial story. We only get a glimpse of the characters. We only get like, um, you know, very brief moments of character development. 
while also trying to tell this big apocalyptic story all in one hour and it's 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 too much that's another kind of issue i have is i most of the characters i really like because they've all got these kind of like distinct designs of personalities mm. and then the main character himself nine is just very kind of just bland i can't remember he's rubbish um, he just, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Can I can I comment on nine? Yeah, Because you know you know my opinion on nine. So nine is an idiot, and he gets everyone killed. Uh, <laughs> without <laughs> without going into spoilers, that is basically the main plot of what happens. Is that nine does this thing, and like you know, whereas everyone has been relatively okay before. Uh, things get bad very quickly, and it's all because of Nine mm -hmm. uh, making one mistake that no one else ever made, uh, and it results in many, many deaths, let's say that. <laughs> you know what? The film should have been called Seven. It should have been about Seven. She was the best. Seven is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven is very cool. Actually, no, there are, actually, to its the film's credits, the characters themselves are really cool. Um, like... Um, yeah, but, design and yeah. character-wise, they're really interesting. I like, I yeah. like, um, John, I like John T. Riley's um, Five, where he's got like the one eye and he's like always looking for his telescope stuff like that. It's one with the kind of like the um, black spiky hair who's kind of always drawing stuff. He's That's, interesting. Uh, six, I believe. Yeah, six. Yes, sir. Yeah. Six. Um, so six, believe it or not, is actually the most Tim Burton of the lot uh, because. Um, you know, have you noticed that he's all kind of black and white, like striped? Is it, oh, is it? Is, and he has Tim Burton's hair. It's such. A, yeah, he's got Tim Burton's hair. It is such a reference to Tim Burton. They actually said. I, I, I was um, last night. I watched the nine um, uh, directors commentary for the film, and they actually said like, "Oh, look, it's six, the Tim Burton character." And it's like, oh, "Okay, they actually <laughs> deliberately did that." That's great. <laughs> oh, it's the fact, the fact that he's always oh. drawing as well. Yeah. Tim Burton, all of his films are based on like millions of drawings and, and art things that he the, did. That, you guys, that's really cool. Have you guys seen the um, uh, director's commentary for the film? No, no. Um, I no, I didn't. I, I just watched the short film and the film. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But if you ever get a chance, I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to, but like, if you ever get a chance, do you watch the director's commentary? Because it actually made me like the film a lot more. Because it, there's little things like that where they're talking about mm. the characters and the inspiration and stuff like that. But also you do... They, they, this, the detail in this film is actually tremendous and you don't realise it on your first viewing and stuff like that. The maps and stuff yeah. like that are really functional. Like There's a bit like a character draws a map. It actually functions with the 3D world that they have animated. Um, there's um, like moments where they actually reference Macbeth. Some guy dies and a guilty party witnesses their corpse being manipulated to by some other monster. Oh, I um, love that. That's my favourite yes. monster. But when the directors were talking about that particular scene, they actually uh, say this is a bit like Macbeth, you know, when he's seeing ghosts. Oh, Banquo. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, you know, when I was watching this, I was thinking, oh, my God, that is so clever. Um, so, like, I just, I just we're watching this whole director's commentary and it just enriched the whole experience. Like, when you get to see their thinking process, maybe it doesn't translate so much on your viewing. But when you actually know the, yeah. you know, the behind what what's going on right, in their brains right. at the time, it just it enriches it. I tell you. One thing I did like about the film is how we do as much as I think Nine is a bit of a bland main character. I like that we see everything kind of from his perspective. As the like um, we start the film where he's just woken up, and so we first hand experience this world through him as he's like walking through the streets, and we see like this car which has got like. Um, corpses in it, like a, it's got a woman holding a baby, oh and they're both God. dead. And that, 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 yeah, that's like dark and fucked up. Like, if they hadn't been <laughs> on that more, maybe this film would have had more of an impact on me. <laughs> that scene, when I saw that for the first time, I was just like, oh, <laughs> that was really shocking. Jesus, um, it was a very, yeah, it was a very when I thought when I was me watching it, I thought, shit, I forgot this. I, I completely blanked that bit out of my memory from when I first watched <laughs> it. <laughs> It's a, it's a literal, like, this is probably the first, like, feature-length animated movie in cinemas that's actually said, like, showed a dead child on screen, probably. 
Like, yeah, it's it's very yeah, weird. mother and a child in the uh, car. It's very it's disturbing, quite, um... and it's not as mean spirited as when they do it in Alien vs Predator. Requiem. No, I I think. Well, this is kind of disturbing in a way that it's like deliberately trying to be like this is horrible in a way that's really it's not dis distasteful. Do you know what I mean? In the in Alien vs Predator, which is like haha, look at all these children dying. It's like no, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I I, I don't like Alien vs Predator too. But yeah. But... And... Well, that, in that case, it was basically a case of people complained about Alien vs. Predator being a PG-13 so Oh, let's have children dying so it'll be an R rating. It's automatically oh. better when it wasn't. And, but also, I think this does serve a purpose because you realise the stakes are high. They do delivery, you do that. They're not doing it to like for entertainment value. They're just saying, look, this is a child that's dead. This is the world that it is. It's unforgiving. Um, no one is free from it, um, you know. This is not going to be the typical animated film you're expecting, and that I think does serve a great purpose. Um, you know, but, I mean that's I my mean, takeaway. Yeah. I wouldn't miss as incredible tells uh, Dash and Violet that like, oh yeah, those guards that they're not like Saturday morning cartoon guards. They will kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was also wondering. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but it's the idea of alchemy in this film. Um, I mean, what I get, like, with the, you know, the ragdolls and stuff like that, they are a production of science blended with magic. And often, and at one point in the film, it's referred to as black science. What, what is it? The source. The thing that woke the machine. Go back. Uh, go back. Back to where? Dark science. What good does this useless rubbish do us? Forget it. You know something. What do you know? I know enough to leave their ancient evils to molder. Look what they've left us with. And it's all these old documents and mm. stuff. This all take place during World War Two. Um, but... Yeah, that's what look. It's got very World mm. War Two aesthetic. Yes, it does. But what I was interested. Is, um, I mean, Rob, you're you're a fan of like Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that. I actually think this... yeah, one of the few animes I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good anime, to be fair. I like it, but um, the. This is the second sort of best animated sort. Well, no, actually, best piece, of, second best piece of media that I think has depicted alchemy, because when you think about it, the ragdolls are humunculi. Um, if you, uh, I, you know, in like Full Metal Alchemist, there is a homunculus, which is like the artificial human being. Yes. Um, if you actually, you can Google this on Wikipedia and stuff like that. But uh, humunculi are actually a production of alchemy. They're like artificial humans that are often collected in a little jar. They're like miniature humans. Um, and they are the, you know, pr producer of alchemy, and often they are involving, you know, they involve a part of a human soul. And, you know, this scientist is actually creating little people. They're like humunculi, and that's really cool. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, you know. There's this, I, uh, they actually say in a director's commentary, it is a bit like alchemy, in a way. Mm. Um, they use a stone to like you know oh. create a eternal life and all that, and I just thought it was really neat. You know, did you did you notice that? I just in realized. The... I just remembered mm -hmm. the first thing that nine sees when he wakes up is this scientist's dead body. Yes. So yeah, welcome to the world, nine. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah. Did you notice that the uh, black science book or whatever you know the the science book they find uh, at the top of the page it said uh, transmutate. Yeah. Uh, Tra transmutations. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's I thought, all... I thought, I thought Rob, yeah. you'd get a kick out of that. Transmutate. Of the Beast uh, from, Wars, from, yes. From Beast Wars, yeah. <laughs> transmutate. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's cool. But, like, but also, going back to what Rob was saying about, like, this whole World War II aesthetic as well, um, is the, you know, there are bunkers everywhere. Like, you can see, and also, like, you know, just discarded remnants of like military machinery and stuff like that um you can tell this this whole there is a whole kind of backstory that's being told through the premise you can tell yeah. that a big battle has occurred and you know obviously we have lost it, I, I remember like i mean i i think it's a, it's it's a very bleak film i think it's just like the idea of, what they said in director's commentary is basically nine is basically what would happen in our history if we made the wrong choices and that was quite intense you know if we decided you know to really get let human arrogance and you know envelope ourselves we'd probably consume ourselves in the process and that's shown in the world of nine so 
I think that's yeah, really, I really, I really, I really like really yeah, because um, all the monsters really are, the... are being left behind from like, the remnants of humanity. Yes. So yeah. basically, the monsters are of our own creation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. No, Frank. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a Frankenstein element, especially with the scientists as well. Yeah, it's like it's like if Frankenstein was mixed with like War of the Worlds, where like you know where we create, uh, you know where we create these robots that then rise up and and because they they look like the tripods from um, from War of the Worlds, where they're you know the kind of the big strider yeah, I th robots. Um, I did and, think and because, of because it's World World, I was watching it. Yes, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely not... an influence. It's they first, yeah and first World War. I do like. Yeah, because I like how they discover like what happens. It's like they find like an old TV and it shows like a kind of like an old war propaganda thing. It's like, oh yeah, machines will help us win the war. And yeah, stuff like that. yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. um, and like, machines have turned against us, <laughs> comrades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we must fight the machines. You know, rise up. You know. Oh, uh, it's so brilliant. Right. Today, the Chancellor presented the latest advancement of technological wizardry to the public. But you know what's interesting about the um the main machine as the villain? Um yeah. This is kind of not explicitly sort of revealed in the film, but I watched a lot of the deleted scenes. The there's a lot of deleted scenes that are really good in this film, by the way. You can tell he that... Play, he plays chess. I saw this. I saw the deleted scene. His, his creator shows he was playing chess. I thought but that was also, really sweet. Yeah, but also what they were planning to do, it's in the deleted scenes and also the direct uh, commentary as well. They were actually saying that the machine itself was not inherently evil. Uh, it was actually you know following exactly you know trying to look after the scientists and everything like that but the leader of this evil military empire or whatever tried to control it um and yeah. started doing um like these weird pavlov's dog sort of like you know conditioning on it like trying to shock it into submission and stuff like that but eventually it drives him mad and like you know basically starts yeah. rebelling and starts seeing humanity as this evil thing there's a bit actually you know when they're actually trying to it seize uh, this machine the, the whole time this is happening uh, the scientist is like no don't do it and he's actually trying to protect the scientist so it does actually mm. make you realise humanity's made this monster not just from invention but from intention as well yeah well yeah. it's it's See? learned, learned behaviour mm. you know a, a, a robot a that's evil. Brought, yeah a robot See? that's brought up in a Nazi yeah. world is gonna start acting like a Nazi yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Because if that scene was in the film, I need to go and watch the deleted scenes now because I didn't think I, I don't be, I'm not even I didn't know they were on the, the Blu-ray, but yeah, um, if that was on if I, that was in the film, I might have liked it a bit more because I thought villains were kind. Of, I mean, I thought they looked cool, but they were just kind of just like voiceless robots. But if that that scene seems sounds like it has so much context to why mm. the machines are acting that way, yeah, no, it, there's a lot of things that are included in the deleted scenes and. I do get the impression that the guys that were making the movie wanted to tell a bigger story. I mean, you can tell from the film itself that they have a lot of imagination and that a lot of intention to detail. But again, it is a one hour and ten minute film. And there's a lot of things that obviously they got left out. And a lot of that is shown in the deleted scenes. I like that there was that little deleted scene where him and Nine, that they've been kind of ideologically opposed throughout the whole film. Mm. And um, there's a nice little moment where they kind of they start to see eye to eye, and one kind of admits that he might have been acting a bit selfishly or a bit, you know, like he or he'd made a mistake. And, and you know, it's a sweet little moment. And and yeah, I think I think maybe the film should have given him that because I feel like one throughout the film he's just kind of he kind of starts off a miserable prick and he ends a, as a miserable prick so yeah it's, 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 yeah, yeah i actually think he's one of the most interesting characters in the whole movie um i go as far as to say because he's the actual like he's horribly horribly flawed and complex in comparison to like i like him more than nine because nine is just straight up oh i'm the good guy uh oh that's wrong etc and he's just literally been there for like five minutes whereas one yeah. 
If you actually, what, like, I mean, he, he exists throughout the whole flashbacks. He's literally been the general of these guys and helped them towards their survival throughout horrific and traumatic situations for God knows how long. Um, and at the same time, he's just desperate, you know, like keep them alive and stuff like that. But at the same time, He's struggling. He's flawed. He's human. Um, well, he's not yeah. a human. He's a puppet thing. But well, no, I think in a way he is human because he's part human because he's got the human <laughs> yeah. soul. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. I yeah. know. I'm, I'm being mean. <laughs> um, but you know, he's obviously kind of one of the things that you find interesting about him is that he only is a great leader when the military situations occur. So when they're under attack and they're being attacked by like big robots and stuff like that, he will jump in and use like cannons and stuff like that. Um, mm. And also, there's a bit where Nine tries to save Six from being killed. If he tried to do that, he would have died. But One literally jumps in and goes, "There's nothing we can do," and literally just pulls him away. He's, yeah. So, in this sort of flight or flight situations, which he's probably dealt with all of his life, he knows what to do. But now that things have changed, now that the factory was switched off and humanity's gone, um, things have changed. Um, and he, he, he doesn't really, know how to handle it. Exactly, yeah. yeah, no, and it really, the whole film's journey for him is just coming to terms with that. The only thing is, you can tell that when you watch the film, but it wasn't done greatly, and it could have been done better, and I no, know... I, 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 do, I do agree with you. I think he is the most interesting character mm. in the film, and I and I do like... I do like one. Um, no, I, I've, I've not got many criticisms of well, no, the characters this... or the films, to be on, or, or the story, to be I, honest. I guess, but um, he's redemption. Like, it's, it's good for an hour and ten minutes. It, oh yeah, no, that's that, that's the thing. It's good for an hour yeah. and ten minutes. But there is a deleted scene where actually him and Nine talk to each other, um, and literally one actually sits next to him and says, "I've just been a horrible, horrible person." I've been worse than this, etc. And then there's a moment where Nine actually says, you know, I've made mistakes too. I mean, as you said that you and earlier, that basically because of <laughs> Nine... Yeah, I, I, I said this. <laughs> but there's, a, there's this beautiful moment in this deleted scene where basically Nine being the fucking idiot that he is, and also yeah. One being a smart but also flawed character, kind of has this moment of like, you know... Um, Redemption, where he's basically just discussing his flaws with Nine, saying he wants to be a better person. His crown falls off. Um, and whereas in the film, it's done too quickly, I think. It's just suddenly just like, sometimes sacrifices need to be made. Okay, I'm the good guy now. Whereas in this, it was actually something yeah. that's kind of developed and fleshed out. And I don't know. I just think it should have been fleshed out more. Is that's what, that's what I felt like anyway. Maybe it should have been like a TV series or a yeah. series or something. Like I say, you know, no, you're right, Rob. Like, just like, you know, this... Maybe, like, I mean, for God's sake, Sharkboy and Lava Girl got a Netflix show. Why can't we get Nine a Netflix show? Like, just, we got the film here. Let's flesh out the characters a bit more, you know what I mean? There's a lot of room for storytelling. You could, we could probably have, like, stories about what it was like for one and the other brag dolls during the war, for instance. There's a lot of things you can do with this premise. Okay. Yeah. So, Netflix, please yeah. make a Scott Pilgrim animated series. Yes, please. And make a Nine animated series. Yes. Yeah. Please. Also, hire me, please. <laughs> I've, I've not um, got many criticisms of the story. I think the story's fine. Like you know, and and I like that the I like the fact that the the machine monster main villain thing. He kind of looks like HAL 9000 from 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey, but he's um he's got like a million knives like hanging around his his eye. Um, and he's he's got personality, like he, he you know he kind of responds to the world around him. Yeah. Um, no, I've I've I, I've I found the film interesting. I I just I dis I disagree with it ideologically. <laughs> yeah, I know you're saying to me. Well, as soon as yeah. you jumped into this, you said like nine is terrible. I was like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, nine, no, nine's just a an idiot with a hero complex who thinks that. Oh no, I mean the film itself. No, no, no! The film itself, I, I enjoy. No, it's, it's, it's the. I think what I find interesting, it's, it's a story of kind of, what's, what's kind of called transhumanism, or you know, like basically about cyborgs, right? You know, we're, we're talking about beings that are part artificial, part human, and it's, it's kind of a popular, um, like well, you know, you think of like iRobot, you think of, kind of science fiction like that and i just think that 
Um, I, I have issues with the ending where. Can we just? There's no, there's no, there's no spoilers here. It's fine. It's just. No. I'm just saying. <laughs> in, in terms of, in terms of like the fact that the puppets are kind of continuing on because they were created by humanity. Yeah. And you know, and they, they kind of continue humanity's legacy is the idea. Well. And, and I kind of feel, I just feel like, look, if we manage to destroy ourselves the first time, maybe we don't have a right to claim the future when is... we've already killed ourselves. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I'm going to try and counteract this without actually spoiling the ending myself as well. Because um, I did, the actual directors actually discussed this themselves. And they actually mm. say, you know, the, the one bit which you're particularly upset about, you and with, you know, the ending and stuff like that. They actually say to themselves, like, is this good or bad? And it's like, well, fuck, I don't know, or something like that. It's just like, it could go either way, basically. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a very open-ended ending. It's not... I think what you're kind of reading into it is that it's like, oh, you know, now life's going to continue and it's prosperous and stuff like that. But also, I'm a bit like, I don't know, what there is a what-if going on here. What if this new life is going to turn out to be mm. evil? And what if... Um, I think they actually say, you know, what if these ragdolls are going to be immortal shepherds reacting to life around them that they don't fully understand and that it's going to go horribly wrong a second time? And what if there's going to be in like a, a cyclical nature to all of this where it's all going to repeat itself? So no, I think it's it's open-ended. It's up to interpretation. Perhaps maybe uh, from when you saw it, you know, it, it kind of suggested, you know, it's just going to be all happy, happy, you know, and uh, life's going to recycle itself and start anew. But really, I think it's more mysterious than that. I think what it's saying is life is going to begin again. But what? How's that going to turn out? Really, could be bad. Could See, be I don't good. know. No, I don't have a problem with life continuing. That's that's how yeah. the planet. That's how the planet works. Yeah. I just wonder if it's a good thing that humans of any kind continue on because i feel like once i i've I've thought about this a lot as a post-apocalypse oh yeah of course um and the thing is it's kind of like with i always like the line in with mr house in fallout new vegas Mm -hmm. when uh he he's an autocrat a self-declared autocrat so a, a dictator yeah and he and he says uh, to the main character, the courier, he says, if you want to look at, because, you know, you can suggest him, oh, surely we could have, like, another form of government or whatever. And he just says, if you want to look at the fate of democracies, look out the window. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, the nuclear, at the nuclear wasteland. And it's kind of like that here, where it's like, if humanity managed to just completely wipe itself out, maybe we're not, like, the right thing for the but, for life but who's to say it's maybe, gonna be maybe, the, who's maybe the bug people will do better well <laughs> that's the this is the thing Ewan because what's to say it's gonna be human like we this thing I don't, know, I, this, I, don't, yeah. I don't want it to be human that's that's I but it's we, that, the, we, the, had our, the, we had our yeah. chance we had our chance that's and we true. blew it but, that, but there's the nothing film. but there's nothing to say that there's nothing to say that it will be human it could be something entails entirely it could be yeah. some other could be some other sort of god knows bug-eyed beast whatever from those polycolicals yeah. this, this is i apologize everyone this is very hipster yeah it always it, bothers me but, but maybe, know, I just, I, yeah i feel like it, it's like with it's kind of one of the themes of new vegas uh is is that when you've got this this kind of imperialist force you know called the new california republic and it's 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 ostensibly uh, a democracy but it kind of carries all of the problems of the old world that eventually blew itself up with nuclear weapons you know and it's like is it really a good thing that we're recreating this this old like you know form of government that ended up blowing everything up can, could we not attempt anarchism or something? Just something that, different. I understand. Um, no, I get, I get what you're saying, Ian. But this is, the thing is, yeah. we don't know if it's going to be humans. That's the one I mean. Is it could be some all, it could be just more ragdolls for all we know. It could be like yeah. More well, like, well, yeah. well, the implication, the implication is that the new form of life will be some form of like Sentience. robot slash 
human sentient well not human but you know like it, well, i imagine i imagine it'll be similar to those kind of rat yeah. robot things that we it, see at the start it could know. yeah no it could very well be that the directors say themselves that like, it could be anything and it's really just up to the viewer's imagination well i'm glad that they were thinking mm. about that as well because i was thinking about it one thing i did want to say about this film well i do have um some kind of criticisms of it mm. um I do wish there were more films like this, mainly yeah. because of what our current animation landscape is like in the West, which I kind of spoke about a bit at the start, is like, we've got this really snobbish attitude towards animation where it's perceived as being a medium that only kids can enjoy, and it's something everyone can enjoy. And the only options for more adult animation is mainly raunchy animated comedies with excessive swearing and violence. And while I do love shows like The Simpsons, Futurama, South Park, and Bojack Horseman, yeah. I wish there was more options for other animations outside of like these like um, animated sitcoms. And as a side effect of this, the attitude towards animation is why we've got these awful live-action remakes of classic Disney animated films, because people push them for the nostalgia of the original films, and they feel the live-action versions are more quote-unquote grown up because they have real people rather than drawings. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 not a good um, perception. I mean, I think the stigma around animation is slowly kind of fading a lot more, and I think Netflix and things like that have kind of helped massively now. It's now more commonplace to talk about animation between adults and stuff like that as if it's like a normal program that they would watch. Like I've talked to loads of people about Bojack Horseman just in, at work um, and I've also talked to a lot of people about like Gravity Falls and stuff like that. The stigma is slowly kind of fading a little bit more. It's unfortunate. I, um, I always hate people just like, oh, I won't watch this thing because it's an animation because they could be missing out on a good storyline and a good piece of writing and a good piece of art and it's, you know, it's a shame. But as you say, Rob, we need more sort of films like this because like then that will kind of help remove the stigma and then it might introduce more people into that genre and show you and as a result that more cool stuff will be made as well so I, I yeah can, like yeah you know. you know and and you know the the very fact that james and i just had this weird conversation about cyborg <laughs> and, and i was enjoying it <laughs> no, but, but no but that's the thing but post-apocalyptic civilization this is all from a movie about some sock puppet things running around in a like, and we, know, evil robot yeah. future which is great you know like I, I i want more of that i want more weird stories you know get them all out there and we've you know, somehow uh, mentioned uh, alchemy and macbeth as well like in the same yeah. discussion so like you know it just oh, shows yeah. you it's a really unique film. It's it's really cool. To wrap up, yeah. Um, if, unless anyone's got anything else to add, um, so kind of like a maybe favorite moment from the Ooh. film, or without spoilers. Can we also do favorite characters as well? Because I quite like favorite characters that. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you want me to kick off? Um, yeah, go for it. Oh, thank you. All right. Um, I think. Honestly, my favourite character has to be one because I think his story arc is like you know the most complex, and he has the. Um, I think, in general, his like development as a character is the most uh, evident throughout the film. A lot of the characters are very consistent, and they have like very consistent like you know traits and stuff like that that they live up to. Whereas, I do feel like one goes for a journey, and it's one of redemption and sacrifice. And despite the fact that you end up, you know, hating him at the beginning, you do end up, you know, understanding him a bit more as the film goes along. It was, it probably wasn't done as greatly as it could have been, but ultimately, I do like that character, and I think there's a lot, like, there's a lot of potential for him. And I think from what was done with him, it was, I, I found that very enjoyable and likable. Um, so yeah, my favourite moment, I'm trying to think of my top ahead, I think, is. The moment when they're um, actually listening to this music, um, there's a bit where basically they do get away from danger, and they're listening to um, somewhere over the rainbow uh, on this little record, and it's it's playing out. It's a very emotional moment, and it's, it's this moment where basically the characters are just having a bit of fun and like enjoying you know their, each other's company, and it's it's very wholesome and it's a, a bit of light in the darkness that the film has, um, but it's a, it's a very fleeting moment as well. Because immediately afterwards, danger, you know, follows. It's a bit of a spoiler, but, you know, I, I like that scene. 
So yeah. Nice. My favorite character is that weird stitch up monster that eats the protagonists. Um, is that seamstress? The seamstress, yes. Yeah. With the weird doll face or A skull face or whatever. <laughs> whatever's going on in that. Yeah, it kind of it reminds me of like in the movie Krampus, which is really fun. People oh. should watch Krampus. It's like a Christmas horror film. Uh, but there's like a weird Jack in the Box in that movie where like it eats it eats people and like and all of like the you know you think of a Jack in the Box, all of the kind of the spring bit. That's like its weird like um stomach where you know uh, its victims would go into and it's gross and horrible and and the seamstress reminds me of that which is great because uh, <laughs> it, it would like the seamstress like stitches people inside it and then it like covers it, them inside it's like weird it's like a weird snake yeah. uh it's great my favorite scene is eight who's the big henchman uh doll man puppet person mm uh goes for a little wonder and he's got this magnet that he keeps uh on <laughs> i remember his... you saying actually when we he watched keeps... that you love that he keeps on it he keeps on the back of it on his back uh so it keeps it like he has a big knife that he uses as a sword yeah and he he uses a magnet to attach it and at one point he takes the magnet off and he puts it on his head and it causes like a weird like um like kind of static that his eyes start doing and it looks like he's on drugs and i i think that's great uh <laughs> it is very funny that bit I remember he's just having that. a great time <laughs> i remember you watching that at the same time you're just like oh this is great this is where it's all out or something like that i was like okay <laughs> i like all the weird stuff as always my favorite character is seven she just seems like a really interesting character that I wish we kind of got to see more because mm. um, kind of without going into spoilers, at the start of the film, she's separate from the group. She's kind of doing her own thing. Um, and my favourite scene is um, tied to this. It's Sem's introduction because it is just the most badass thing mm. without yeah, going yeah. into spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. She, she saves the day and then um, Nine ruins everything two minutes later. Uh, <laughs> that's. that's <laughs> Basically. More or less. Yeah. It's like, poor, poor, poor Seven. Like, she's. Oh, mate. Like, she's every, the only one that actually has a brain, probably, in the film, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Although, to be fair, if Nine hadn't fucked everything up, the film would have been over in like 10, 20 minutes. This is true. If if the main character hadn't made the mistake, then the movie wouldn't happen, as is always the they case. They would just live happily with a lot ever of, after. With a lot of films, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, this film is about like mistakes and kind of redeeming oneself and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Nine, think... nine, nine replicates humanity. Humanity made a mistake, and he makes a mistake. Yeah, and I mean, in many ways, we always, you know, we criticize one and stuff like that, and. But honestly, I think nine and one have more in common than any other character in the whole film. So hmm. it's funny how they are both kind of like extreme opposites. Like, well, they're they're they they're opposites, but also with extreme similarities, I suppose. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all our previous episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And as well as this, we also have a website, which is bloobcast.com and you can find all our previous episodes there and on social media we are um, at Bloobcastpod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram we do do social media engagements um, so kind of keep an eye out on our social media pages for when we do those that finish gets shouted in the episodes we also have an email address which is bloobcastoutlook.com so if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes um, please send us an email and again we can get, get us a shout out and the third way to get a shout out is to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you leave us like a very, very brief review or like a long essay saying how much you're enjoying the show, we will probably read it out on air. Or well, not on air because we're not live, but yeah. And also share the podcast around to friends and family you think might be interested. And to round off, Ewan. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we are discussing the original uh, video game heroine, uh, Lara Croft, and her first game, uh, Tomb Raider. And uh, I think we're doing the Tomb Raider remake, the anniversary 
version as well because yeah, it's Tomb Raider remade. anniversary. Yeah, Tomb Raider anniversary. So yeah, Lara Croft, everyone. Um, very excited. We'll probably talk about the films as well, you know, tangentially because you know they were around the same time. Uh, but we're just doing the first game because we figured both the remake and the first game will take a while to play. So we'll we'll do that. Uh, but yes, very exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, thank you. Everyone. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be honest, actually, to be fair, this is my first time um, playing it, so I actually don't know what to expect. So, I, yeah. Until next time, the Bloomcast bids you farewell. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. No!